Athletics radio listeners, um, coming back with another nutrition episode today. So our topic that we're going to be speaking about today on our episode is um, our relationship with food, um, and, and kind of specifically emotionally eating or um, you know eating due to stress. Uh, so, going to try to give you some tactics maybe to implement um, to deal with that stress type eating, and you know just have a general chat about. Um, relationships with food. Um, and I'm, I'm going to have a good story for you about uh, my time as a wrestler and how that changed, you know, my relationship with food and over time, how that's kind of evolved. Coach Zach, you want to maybe start them off and just kind of give them a, you know, a general oversight of, of the topic. Yeah, I think stress eating or emotional eating is something that all of us can relate to in, in some way, shape or form. Um, it's probably one of the biggest the biggest issues that come up when I, when I first have a consultation with someone for nutrition coaching and you ask them, um, have you ever, have you ever dealt with emotional stress eating? I'd say majority of the time it's yes. Um, I have found some studies out there that, that nationwide over 60% of people say they struggle with emotional eating. I'd be willing to bet just on my personal experience working with people that that number is probably a little higher, uh, and especially higher now after this pandemic, uh, that those studies were done before the global pandemic. So I'm willing to say those are those are probably pretty high now. Um, so whether it's out of like stress, anxiety, sadness, even like boredom or grief, uh, it's understandable why we may turn to food for comfort. Um, it's, it, it offers a, a solution to what our current suffering is. Uh, even if it's a very temporary solution, food tastes good. Uh, it feels good. Uh, it's, it, it's, it's good to turn to sometimes. Uh, it sets off a cascade of pleasurable sensations that make it easier to forget about whatever that uncomfortable emotional experience we were going through that time. Um, it sets off dopamine, serotonin, all the, all these things. We'll, we'll get into the brain function a little later, but uh, it, it's easy to turn to food in, in times of struggle. But when we talk about some different stuff today, I want you guys to kind of keep something in mind. When you stress eat, you're using food to solve a problem, or that's your goal at least. Uh, only it's a problem that food can't solve. Uh, so just keep that in mind today completely understand why we go to food to solve the problem, but understand that the food isn't solving that problem we're looking to solve. And, and if anything, it's, it's adding to it as well. Um, if you experience emotional eating, uh, you, you usually feel trapped and guilty afterwards, which just adds to that problem and perpetuates the behavior and we get to this vicious cycle. So just remember, while we're trying to use food to solve a problem, it might not be something that food can solve. Yeah. I mean, I, I think this is super common, um, even if it's not on a massive scale, like you know, I find myself or years ago when I was competing in football, you know, we had a tough loss that night. I would tend to eat a lot worse off than if we had like a win, you know, cause mm -hmm. you're dealing with those emotions. And as coach Zach said, you want something, um, you know, ex external to kind of, you know, make you feel good when you can't make yourself feel good. Um, and you know, as you, as you go forward in life, you learn there's other outlets and other, um, other ways to do that besides just, um, you know, eating a lot of food or, you know, particularly a lot of food that's probably not great for you. Yeah. And 
to to be kind of on the other side like when i tend to get stressed i just won't eat like i can go um i could go like eight hours before i think like oh crap i need to eat something you know Mm -hmm. so um that's kind of the other side of things i'm sure it's not as common but i'm sure there are others out there that uh that um when you're stressed out you don't even think about food and that's probably why you know i was pretty significantly underweight um and maybe people that go the other direction are you know generally overweight so no, that's, that's definitely pretty common too. And uh, when we talk about stress eating, it's not just necessarily like gorging on food when you're stressed. Uh, it could be just not making healthy decisions when you're stressed out, uh, whether it's turning to your sweets or snacks or, or instead of your whole ba- whole foods or balanced, balanced diet. Uh, and it could be, like you said, too, just not eating for a day. Uh, that's, that's something that I've heard people uh, run into as well. So it's not uncommon. Uh, so when we say stress eating, I don't just mean like binge eating on food. Yeah. All right. You want to dive into some, some ways we can tackle stress eating and kind of identify it. I think that's, that's a good option. Give some, you know, some tools for, for the listeners to use because I'm sure there's people out there find themselves in this situation. Definitely. So I I got, I got three strategies for us to go over today. Uh, These might be a little unorthodox for what you might've heard in the past for um, how to, how to tackle stress eating. Uh, But, all of these are going to try to accomplish one thing or accomplish a few things, which is going to be identifying some triggers that, that point us to stress eating and uh, identifying that eating as well. Cause it, it, sometimes it, it can be unconscious and we don't even know we're doing it. So we're going to go over three techniques today. Um, one of these ideas might resonate with, with people more than others. Uh, but I definitely encourage you to try all of them. Uh, and I'll admit beforehand going into some of these, we're going to get a little woo woo hippy dippy talking about feelings sometimes bear with me. I know it sounds sounds like, oh, that sounds good, but how am I going to actually put that into practice? We'll talk about some ways to do that as well. Um, so these three different techniques, one of them is going to be trying to develop awareness around what triggers your overeating. You might be surprised what strategy number one is. One is. Uh, strategy number two is going to help provide you some tools to help when those triggers are activated. And then the strategy number three is going to help you understand your behaviors around food uh, and how food doesn't really define you as a person. And to kind of get, get yourself out of that that guilt trip cycle of overeating and, and feeling bad for yourself afterwards. So strategy number one, um, might be a little surprised about this one. If you're, if you're stress eating, go ahead and overeat. And I, and I mean that, uh, use this as a opportunity to learn, uh, but lean into the overeating. Now don't do this every time. We're going to talk about how to, how to use this and gra- gather some data, but I want you to lean into some overeating when you feel like you're about to stress eat. Um, the reason for that is, our brains really like patterns. Uh, so going into some, some brain science real quick, many of our thoughts, emotions, and actions uh, usually happen on autopilot. They're just parts of sequences our brains know well from years of practice, and those sequences just need triggers in order to take place, like breathing or blinking your eyes. We don't think about those things. They just go ahead and happen, right? In the presence of a trigger, your brain dictates a given behavior, like stress eating, uh, without requiring any conscious decision-making on your part. Uh, food cravings also work the same way. Uh, but the physical sensation of hunger is the most obvious trigger. Uh, if you feel stomach grumbling, slightly shaky, you just want to eat everything in sight, that's a good idea that it's time for you to eat, right? But stress eating usually comes after different types of triggers, like certain sights, smells, even people or emotions. Um, so, for example, you might find yourself hitting the cookies really hard every Friday afternoon. 
and it's just become a habit every Friday afternoon. You don't realize why, uh, and you're always left wondering how it happened and why you feel so crappy about it. Uh, and this process is just so automatic. You often don't have any idea what's even triggering it. But if you really start paying close attention and kind of looking at what your day was like, you might even you might have an epiphany there. Maybe the time you hit the cookies really hard on the Friday afternoon is also the time you get off a weekly Zoom meeting um, with your boss and you're, you're really stressed out. Or maybe it's your busiest night of the day and you have to bring one kid to karate, other kid to soccer, and you're driving all around trying to figure out dinner. And it's just a really stressful day and you find yourself uh, going to those cookies or whatever it is beforehand or afterwards. So um, just trying to tap into what your day is like is going to help you figure out where, why, why you are reaching for those things and what is causing that. Um, so our crazy idea is give yourself permission to overeat. It's going to feel really counterintuitive at first and maybe even uncomfortable, but we want to view it as a learning experience as a necessary step in the process. All right. So how to try it and how to lean into overeating. Next time you get the urge to stress eat, treat it as an experiment. I want you to document what happens and how you feel both before, during, and after. Uh, and this process is going to help you identify those triggers, but it'll also start removing or at least lessening any of the guilt and shame you feel around overeating. Often, if you're allowed to overeat, quote unquote, unloud, uh, it, it suddenly doesn't feel as urgent. When it's no longer forbidden, the intense craving for a whole box of cookies sometimes turn into, turns into a more manageable desire for maybe just one or two of those. And then you kind of realize to yourself, like, I feel silly eating a whole sleeve of cookies and I know I feel crappy afterwards. And if you just kind of lean into it and say, give yourself permission to do it, you might stop yourself before actually eating that whole sleeve of cookies. So uh, try to observe your experience as neutrally as possible. And if you're having trouble, do trouble doing that, imagine you're a scientist collecting data on someone else. I know it sounds silly, uh, but make notes before, after, and, or during and after the, when you're overeating and review your notes. What do you notice? Are there any patterns you see or aha moments that stick out to you? Uh, maybe you notice you head for the snacks right after a stressful two-hour-long conference call, and you realize you've been doing that every day for days, weeks, months, even years. Um, and it's possible you have to do this experiment a few times before the trigger becomes obvious or triggers, uh, and that's okay. Again, we don't want to make this a habit of just being like, well, I'm just overeating to collect data, but we actually want to collect that data and see what we can use to help us get forward, uh, to move forward. Um, if this happens, if you have to use it multiple times, do your best to not obsess about the, the, the decision to eat or not eat. Instead, just try to focus on learning more about your own behavior and keep your notes handy so you can add to them as needed. And once you're aware of the trigger, decide what to do about it. If it's something you can avoid, that's great. For example, if the smell of cookies baking in the oven is too much for you to handle, maybe you just don't bake cookies for a while. There's something that's easy that you can avoid. Uh, if the trigger isn't something you can change or avoid, sometimes just being aware of that, uh, that you're experiencing that trigger can definitely help. Um, I know I reference cookies a lot there. Maybe that's my trigger food. What are your <laughs> thoughts on that, guys? So it sounds like that's kind of like the creating awareness phase because exactly. that's kind of like the first step in changing. Yeah, that, this is definitely going to develop awareness around those triggers. Cool. So the, the important thing for putting that into practice, I know it, it sounds good on paper, um, but you're probably thinking, like, how can I actually practice this? Have those have a notebook ready to go. You can get those notes that have a magnet on the back that you stick right onto your fridge. If you know you're going to go to your fridge to stress eat, have that there. Have it set up before, during, after. Write down little notes how you're feeling. And, again, lean into it. And just tell yourself it's okay if I overeat and you might just stop yourself from actually overeating there. Have you found that like um, when people like talk about it and admit 
like openly like yeah i ate a sleeve of cookies or i ate a half a gallon of ice cream like if they're able to like openly admit it and talk about it or is there like are they more successful because i know like just from other kind of like addictive and shameful behaviors when you like are able to talk about it with someone it's uh it's uh easier that's kind of like the first step towards yeah that's definitely the first step um talking about it openly i mean not hiding it um there's been times in the past where we've worked with people who their their macro tracking sheet looks perfect um but weight loss was their goal and it just wasn't happening come to find out digging a little deeper there was some of that emotional stress eating going on that they weren't tracking from out of out of guilt or shame or whatever it was um, so we had an open conversation about it and just said, yeah, on, on Saturday nights I go off and I, I have my Ben and Jerry's and my cookies, whatever, whatever it is. And then just kind of digging, digging into like, well, why are you doing that? It's okay that you're doing it, but we can see that it's not leading towards your goals of, of weight loss. So what can we do to help better push you towards those goals? And just having an open conversation about it, got it out there and you could, you could see the physical relief on that person. Like, Oh, my secret's out there. It's okay now. Uh, right. So that's definitely the first step. Now talking about it and still doing it constantly. Those are two different things too. So uh, right. this is definitely, that step is definitely developing the awareness, but next we want to start providing you some tools to help when you're, when those triggers are activated for sure. That's why I think having like a buddy or a nutrition coach can be very beneficial. Definitely. I can be that person. That's what I'm there for. I'm going to call you out on things and it it may piss you off sometimes, but you're paying me to piss you off. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like from even like a psychological standpoint, when you know that you're not supposed to have something or that it's like off limits, it makes you want it. Right. Even if you don't really want it, it's like, like this like guilty sin, like, um, you know, because it's off limits. So it's like, you know, I don't know when you do allow yourself that and you're like, Hey, if I really want to eat X, Y, Z, I can, you know, I can do it. I can just eat it. Then you're less likely to do it because there's not like that allure of like, you're, you're doing something naughty, you know? Exactly. And that's what we talk about so much. Um, not only in the podcast here, but with our individual clients, taking away like good and bad foods, like not having those labels of good and bad. Cause you're right, Tyler, when you label something bad and it's that forbidden fruit, you just want it more. So leaning into it's okay to have whatever you want. Let's make sure we track what we're eating so we can plan our day around that. And by that, I mean, if you know you're going out for a dinner with somebody you've been planning for weeks and you're excited for it, and you're going to have some some pasta or some creamy sauce and some dessert after. Let's plan our breakfast and lunch around that as well. Maybe we eat more leanly, leanly that day and not also have a big breakfast of, of pancakes and waffles and all those things and not have a big lunch of a burger. Let, let's plan for that um, and just make sure we work around it and just not plan for it every day. And it's not, not a bad thing to have those, um, but we don't want to, again, label foods good or bad and think we can't have this or can't have that because when we do have it, we're going to want to have more of it. And we're, we usually end up binging on that. Right. For me, like, you know, I, I can't speak to, you know, how good of a, of a method or mindset this is for the general population population. But um, for me, I like to view food as fuel. Right. And like, that's his primary, you know, meaning to me when I think of food. So if I'm taking in, you know, extra fuel, then I'm just going to do extra work. Um, and again, like, I don't know if that's 
you know, necessarily the most healthy way to think about things for everybody. But for me, you know, say I take an extra calories one day, I eat something that maybe isn't the best dietary decision. I'm going to just know I have a little more fuel in my tank so I can do a little more tomorrow. Maybe I'll do, you know, a trail run that I typically wouldn't schedule that day. Um, and that might be a tactic for some, um, to try to, you know, think of, you know, your, your gas tanks a little fuller because you had some extra calories that you weren't planning on having. Um, so you got a little more gas to go a little more distance. That's a good way to look at things. And I think that can resonate with a lot of people, especially, um, those who come from an athletic background. Uh, I do, we're, how do I want to put this? I kind of warn a little bit about that because sometimes you can, people can take that and, um, look at it as kind of like punishment. Like I had right. a burger for lunch. That means I have to run 15 miles tonight. Exactly. And that's right, not yeah. necessarily the case. Right. And I don't think that's what you were trying to get to. Um, no, but it's a slippery slope to go, yeah. to go there, you know, but I think the point yeah. you're trying to drive across is, is more about obviously quality of food too. Like food is fuel and you want to, you want to perform well in your daily life, not only in the gym, but in your energy throughout the day too. So you're trying to fuel yourself better with high quality foods as well. And if you do have a little more than you have, you have more work to do. Yeah. I think also like if, when you're in that situation, if it's easy to make your future, you work like, yeah, my future me is going to go do a trail run and then tomorrow comes and you're like, eh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So that's another kind of, you know, not everybody can be that disciplined, you know? Right. If you have Tyler's brain, you can look at it that way. Yeah. Tyler will do that extra trail run. <laughs> that I will. <laughs> <laughs> All right. My, my next strategy, um, again, is going to be something that helps us provide some tools for when uh, we do activate those triggers or, or we, we're aware of those triggers. Um, I call this, or I don't call it, it's called a nourishment menu. Um, this is something that I, I took from a, a nutrition coach colleague. Uh, many of you know that I, I certified through Precision Nutrition. We have a, a group of all of us coaches online where we share some helpful tips and tricks. And, and this was a great one I picked up not too long ago for um, things you want to do to help kind of take yourself out of that stress eating cycle. Uh, so this is called a nourishment menu. Uh, and it's, it, it's supposed to be like a menu of choices for yourself to do and, and actions to take uh, to break yourself from the cycle of stress eating and trying to get yourself out of not reaching for that food. So um, any craving, whether it's food, even the cigarettes, hopefully none of us are smoking, but if you are, uh, any of those cravings usually last about three to five minutes on average. So if we can kind of distract our brain for those three to five minutes or just break the cycle of the habit of reaching for whatever it is we're reaching for and do something else, we can get out of leaning into that bad habit. Uh, a lot easier. So what this nourishment menu is, is something for you to write down with actions you can take um, to, to disrupt the trigger and behavior cycle and to keep keep close by. So you know, again, like put it on the fridge, put it on the snack cabinet, wherever those, those treats are you're going to reach for. Um, have this list ready and some things for you to do um, to break that cycle. So for example, things on your nourishment menu could be take three deep breaths and walk away, walk out of the kitchen. Uh, drink a big glass of water anytime you feel like you want a snack. Uh, mentally check it for physical signs of hunger. Are you actually hungry or are you reaching for some snack? Because again, you just got off a stressful meeting or something triggered you to want to have this snack. Are you actually physically hungry? Um, 
go do some quick stretches for five minutes, search a quick yoga on YouTube, go for a short walk with the dog, spend a few minutes on housework, like folding your clothes or organizing your desk, something productive. Uh, The most effective nourishment menus include actions that line up with your goals and values. Uh, This will be more likely to offer the same feeling of relief you're hoping hoping to get from food whether it was consciously or not. So uh, for example, if you deeply value your close friendships, when you're stressed out and you're reaching for food, calling or texting a friend uh, could be one option for your, your nourishment menu that's going to help you break that cycle of reaching for that, that snack again. Um, so you're probably thinking, that sounds nice, but I won't actually do it. And it's true that this trick with the nourishment menu is you actually have to use it. Uh, it's good to have around. You can make a, a sheet out and have it posted everywhere, but if you don't actually use it, it's not going to do anything for you. So a cu- couple ideas to make things easier for you to, to make you use it more is make it as easy as possible on yourself. Uh, ensure the items on your nourishment menu feel doable and reasonable at maximum. They should take you maybe 10 to 15 minutes to complete. And even that's kind of a stretch. Um, this should be something quick. It's just going to keep, get your mind off the snack, break the cycle of reaching for that snack. Uh, it shouldn't be something where it's like, I'm going to start a 2000 piece puzzle and finish it before having this snack. Um, for instance, like a, a quick journaling session could qualify here again, writing down what you're feeling before, after, and during you have that snack. Maybe, uh, ideally you want to have one or two options that'll take a minute or less, like writing down three emotions you're feeling in the moment um, or going to give your pet a hug. I know it sounds hippy dippy again, but something that's just going to get you out of that kitchen or break the cycle. Uh, You want to also keep any materials you'll need handy. If drinking a glass of water before eating is on your menu, always keep that glass of water around, whether it's a bottle of water on your desk at work uh, or that glass just sitting right next to the snack cabinet there, just ready to go. Wherever you're at, just have it ready to to go. If you're supposed to write something down before you head for the pantry, keep that notepad and and pen on your kitchen counter. Keep it available and ready ready to use. If one of your things is you want to eat a serving of vegetables before having any other type of snack, then keep those vegetables ready to go. Keep them washed, cut up, portioned out, uh, and keep them at eye level in your fridge. So the first thing you see there. Um, next up, you want to put that nourishment menu somewhere visible. Like I said, on the snack cabinet, on the fridge. Maybe it's listed on your computer at work because maybe that work is what triggers it. So you have it ready to go. It's a post-it note sitting right there. Just have that visible. If you've got to have multiple post-it notes, have it everywhere. Just remind yourself. Uh, and also keep track of how often you have to go to this nourishment menu. And record what happens when you do, whether on a post-it note or in your phone in the notes section. Um, so let's say over the course of a day, you, you get the urge to snack four times. Twice you use your nourishment menu and, and you avoid eating. Once you use the nourishment menu and end up eating something maybe slowly and mindfully, you're still snacking, but at a, a little healthier pace. Uh, and another time you say, screw it, I'm just going to skip the menu altogether and you end up overeating. Uh, at the end of the day, you can look back and see which actions help you stop the stress eating cycle and which didn't. Uh, and again, you don't want to beat yourself up. It's okay if you did overeat, uh, but make some notes on it on why you did and how you felt before and after. Uh, and once we have this data, you can start pro- uh, proactively taking steps to taking some actions to regularly throughout your day, help you not do that stress eating. And this is how we make progress. Just take collecting data and, and learning from it and moving forward. And again, not feeling guilty or beating yourself up for it and just, um, just trying to get a little better every day in that, in that eating. So that's, uh, that's step number two for you is the nourishment menu. And again, I know it sounds kind of woo woo, but it, have it ready to go, use it. And you, you might be surprised how much it helps. One thing that comes to mind, like, um, maybe, you know, something that you could add to a nourishment menu or something that, you know, makes sense for me because it's kind of checking the same boxes as, you know, a meeting, 
emotionally eating would be putting on like your favorite song or maybe your favorite podcast and listening to that, you know, five to 10 minutes because it's, you know, it's consumption. You're getting, um, this comfort or just good feeling from, from an outside source, you know, but it's not extra calories or it's not this, uh, you know, this relationship where you're expecting, uh, the food to make you better. Um, that might be something to add. That's something that I definitely think would work for me. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't have to be anything that I, I strictly mentioned there. It could be anything like listening to music, dancing to music. I mean, you know, for you, Tyler, like playing the guitar, you could bust out the guitar and just play a riff for five minutes, something like that. Like it could be anything, just anything you enjoy or anything that's going to push you closer to what your, whatever your goals are. Maybe you got a do pile of dishes. What, what's that? <laughs> do 20 burpees. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> That's more my speed. Maybe you got a pile of dishes you've been putting off in the in the sink for a while. Just start washing some dishes, throw some music on, just distract yourself, and hopefully don't snack after. Right, I got to run, take over for Sarah. You guys keep going though, if you. Yes, sir. Right. Dad duty calls. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Are, are, are you ready for a third strategy? I'm ready. Lay it on. I want you to take a self-compassionate approach for a change, all right? So nothing about the situation we're in right now is normal. I'm talking about the pandemic. I know a lot of people's schedules have been flipped upside down. You find yourself at home more often, eating more often. Maybe you got into baking during the pandemic, and or I know a lot of people started making breads, and maybe you're eating more bread you ever ate in your life, all right? So we know, we know nothing about this is normal. So it makes sense that you might not be eating or even exercising or, or working the way that you're, you normally do, but feeling bad about being out of your routine can make stress eating even worse. So in many ways, now is the perfect time to start practicing some self-compassion. And again, I know, just bear with me. I know it's, it's kind of woo-woo here, but self-compassion is an attitude of generosity, honesty, and kindness towards yourself. Um, and lots of people who deal with stress eating have negative self-talk running through their heads not only while they're eating, but before and, and afterwards. Um, I'm willing to bet if, if you are someone who stress eats on a regular basis, some of these, these next quotes might sound familiar. Like, I guess I'm going to just go hit up the snack stash again, like I always do. Why can't I ever learn? Or, oh, I'm such an idiot for doing this again. Or, I just had to finish the ice cream, didn't I? Um, those kind of negative self-talks, while, while they might not seem like much in the moment, um, is something that's really just going just gonna to perpetuate that cycle of, of stress eating. Um, something that might be a little surprising is there's, there's evidence that negative self-talk, uh, which is the opposite of self-compassion signals your brain to release dopamine when you give yourself negative self-talk. So dopamine is involved in habit formation and the addiction pathway. So that's not a great combination when we're, when we're combining negative self-talk and unhealthy foods with habit formation and the addictive pathway with dopamine the result we get is a cycle of negative self-talk, stress eating, and feeling bad about it, which becomes a never-ending loop. Um, so the self-compassion is a tool that we can help interrupt that cycle. We need to do something to break the cycle, right? There's research to support this approach of, of self-compassion. These studies suggest that practicing self-compassion can help reduce the, the like screw it mentality or the feeling that happens right after a person starts emotional eating. I'm, I'm willing to bet most people can um, relate to you're eating great for days or weeks or even months at a time. And you say, you know what? I, I, I deserve to have X, Y, Z. And you have one of it. And then you're like, you know what? I had one. I can have two. And then I have three. And all of a sudden 
you're off the rails and you feel like crap and you're eating bad for days, even weeks or months afterwards, because you're like, screw it. I already messed up. We're just going to lean into this. Uh, so, so you can work on your stress eating simply by just being nice to yourself. So self-compassion doesn't mean giving yourself a free pass to eat whatever you want. Self-compassion is giving yourself a break for one two, being honest and, and seeing the big picture, knowing that if you have a quote unquote bad meal, I know we're not trying to label foods good or bad here, but if you have something that's not going to push you towards your goals, that's okay. It's not going to make or break your total health. Um, if we can get back on track again, uh, but three, it's being kind to yourself. Self-compassion is self-compassion is not giving yourself a permanent get out of jail free car card that you can eat whatever you want as long as you're giving yourself positive reinforcement. Um, it's not self-compassion is not ignoring your problems. Uh, and it's not just letting yourself off the hook. We still need to be mindful and call ourselves up when we need to. Uh, but we need to give ourselves a break sometimes when we can be a little too hard on ourselves. Uh, so how to try it, what does self-compassion actually look like when we're practicing it? Um, there are three main elements to focus on. I want you guys to focus on one being mindfulness. This is when you're aware of what you're doing, thinking, feeling, and experiencing, but you're not judging yourself for it. Again, using that um, tactic of leaning into overeating and just writing down the data you get from it. What are you feeling? What are you thinking? What are you doing? How do you feel before, during, and after? That's going to help us practice mindfulness. Um, another element to, of self-compassion to focus on is common humanity, acknowledging that you're not alone. Everyone goes through this. Um, You'd be surprised to look at the person next to you, and if they're way more fit than you, they probably did dealt with stress eating at one point in their life or are currently dealing with it. Everyone goes through something like this uh, at some point, so know that you're not the only one going through this. And then self-kindness, just being generous and decent to yourself. Uh, when you're, you're about to stress eat, try to eliminate the cycle with some self-compassion and kindness toward yourself, uh, and you might be surprised to see uh, how that feels and how it might help you accept some stuff and, and move on from it. Like we talked about earlier, kind of having that first step of talking about it uh, and acknowledging it and not being afraid or hiding from it and moving on. So that is my, uh, my hippy dippy self self-compassion talk for the day. I dig it. <laughs> I, think we, I really do think we could all use more of that. It's something that I struggle with, um, you know, almost more than the other things is, is, you know, giving myself some leeway and and cut myself some slack um and i think a lot of specifically a lot of athletes are like that because they're conditioned to be super self-critical and not that that's a bad thing because it does drive you to be better um but there's a fine line to toe because you know if you're never giving yourself that that compassion like coach Sack is talking about it can it can get into a pretty nasty uh you know psychological state um so I, I think that's something to work on, you know, regardless of whether you're having problems with emotional eating or stress eating, or, you know, if you have perfect diet and everything, um, just to be more aware of how you talk to yourself and, um, you know, that, that kind of level that you hold yourself to, um, if it's at a healthy level or not. Definitely. And I, I do want to give a key distinction that here that, Self-compassion, again, isn't an excuse to just stress eat. It, its purpose is to help remove that guilt that you're talking about that you might feel about stress eating. Um, and that's important because that guilt can just lead to more overeating and more and more. And we just get, again, get into that cycle. So, I mean, give it a try. If it feels a little weird at first, it might just be the, the thing that, that works for you. Um, yeah. And I guess my, my closing thoughts on this, again, just 
talking about this year in general, I mean, it's it, it's totally normal to be feeling all the different feelings right now. It's been a, been a crazy whirlwind of a year. Um, and, and remember, it's understandable to look for food with those feelings. But what we talked about in the beginning, um, while food provides us with joy, comfort, and, and sustenance, sometimes it might not be the answer to the problem um, that we are looking for. Um, but the more we use food to try to bury how we feel, the worse those uncomfortable feelings get. And I look to a, a quote from Robert Frost who wrote, um, the best way out is always through. Um, it's not the easiest path, um, but it's, it's the one that will provide relief. So again, look at those strategies. Um, and we'll have this in blog form as well. If you want to go back and read all these, I'll put them in the show notes of the podcast, but uh, go through, lean into overeating, make a nourishment menu, practice some positive self-talk and um, just try to break out of that cycle. I think, um, you know, these are all, these are all tools that, that we can pretty easily try to implement, uh, especially like the nourishment menu, you know, sim- simple things that you can um, set up and have around your kitchen or, um, you know, little tools just to, to sprinkle in your daily activity. So when you do find yourself confronted with those situations of, you know, I know, this probably isn't the best decision for me. You have an, another alternative, you know, decision or route that you could take. Um, you know, I, I know I say this for me, but I know from our members as well, that we appreciate, um, you Zach for sharing all this information with us and being so open with, you know, how you, how you approach these things and, um, how you work with your clients. And I think it's definitely helpful for, for the rest of the members to have those tools as well. Of course. Yeah. I appreciate that. Um, and again, guys, it, it, it works if you work it. So you can take these and they all sound great in theory. Uh, but if you don't put them to practice, they're, they're not going to be helpful for you. So try one thing, try all three, try two of them. Um, try to see something that, that works for you and, and give it a shot for a few days. Again, it might feel uncomfortable at first with some of these things. Um, it might feel counterintuitive, especially leaning into overeating. Um, but give these things a shot, see how they work for you. Uh, and if you run into any more trouble, we're always here to help out. And, uh, maybe we can dig a little more personally into what your, your issues with overeating are and find some solutions for you. Or undereating in some people's cases, yeah. Yeah. like coach Eric said, you know, that's a fun one to work with. We get to eat a lot of food. Yeah. <laughs> they have that problem. Which is equally as hard for some people. So, yeah, I actually, one of those, uh, you know, kind of stories I was going to tell at the beginning regarding, um, my wrestling career. Um, I was on that side of the spectrum where, you know, I wasn't allowing myself to, to eat. And, and it's funny how your relationship with food changes and your perspectives change. But like, I remember the, the guilt that I would feel for eating something that wasn't like, you know, plain chicken and a potato. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, Oh, I don't deserve it. Like I shouldn't be eating this. I have to make weight, you know, wrestling is a weight class type sport. So, you know, you would, you would cut weight to, to wrestle at certain weight classes. And, um, you know, looking back on it, I was just malnourished. I was just hungry, you know, but had I had that perspective of like, uh, you know, a little more self-compassion and, um, just a little more understanding of food is fuel for your body to do things. Um, then, you know, I think it would have been a lot better space and had, had more of a, a healthy relationship with food. But, um, uh, just funny thought. I, I have been on that end of it as well, and it, it can be equally as damaging, mm-hmm. you know, the under eating as much as the overeating. 
anyone who's worked with me personally has, has probably found out that one of the first things we we acknowledge and talk about is the, the fact that a lot of people are under eating, uh, even when they do feel like they're eating a lot. And this can be a topic for a whole other episode, but uh, a lot of people, myself included for a long time, you get stuck in the mindset of when you want weight loss, you have to eat less, exercise more. Um, but sometimes that with that, that well, it is calories in versus calories out in a sense, that extreme under eating can actually hinder our, our weight loss because it's kind of shutting down our metabolism a little bit and our body's almost going into to survival mode. So sometimes, believe it or not, eating more coupled with proper exercise can help you burn burn fat a little faster. So that could be a whole other topic for another episode there, but um, don't be just afraid to, to end, eat good food. To end it with a little humor, um, back to that wrestling story, what, what you were just speaking about there, there was one day where we had a meet on like a Saturday and I had to make weight. This is my senior season. And it was like an important meet. And I was, you know, a couple pounds over what I needed to be the next day. And I was like, this is not good. I'm not going to make it. You know, I had sweat out everything I could sweat out. And I was like, screw it. I'm going to eat ice cream tonight. I hadn't eaten like anything all week. And I'm like, I'm not making weight. So, you know, here we go. And I ate like a half carton ice cream. And I woke up and I was a pound under. <laughs> my body was like fat burn mode yeah (laughs) finally let's burn some food so yeah there is something to be said about that looking at um at like professional bodybuilders and this is obviously a whole nother another world there but they'll see a lot of the times like the day after their meat when they've gorged on food and ate food they actually feel like they look better uh feel more full um in their muscles than they did actually during their meat when they were cutting down and trying to make weight for that. So it's an interesting little, little tidbit. For sure. Yeah. Sweet. All right. Well, thank you guys for joining us. And uh, we look forward to seeing you on the next episode. See you later. <laughs>